0: Hey, I have two uh, percent on my phone. So do you have a second, real quick? Well,
1: I'm at jury duty, but go
0: ahead. <laughs> <laughs> have you found out anything about the case? Like, do you know what you're potentially doing? Uh, guilty. So, so you don't know what it is. It's just <laughs> short and sweet. You're just gu- you're just gonna put a guilty vote. Either I way, he cuts it. Do. I got things to do. Okay. Anyway, two um, percent. Uh, yeah, right. I, no, so, uh, yeah, I got one now. So um, I have a question for you. Can I ask you something? Okay. Yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> do you want to uh, take a crack at the sponsors for this week? Um, no, I don't want to do that. Um,
1: do you? Do you need me to do that?
0: I just, I want, I want people to feel like you are like to I do love, the show. Don't get
1: me wrong. I love these. Uh, companies and I just don't want to do
0: them wrong, you know. So you're, so, are you saying that I'm the only trust trustworthy person? No, I that?
1: just you have that, um, you have that real corporate qualities to your voice.
0: You're an asshole. I'm gonna. <laughs>
1: Uh, here's our week sponsors. This season of good is sponsored by Kessler Crane, manufacturers of innovative tools for filmmakers. Make sure to check out kesslercrane.com. That's K E S S L E R C R A N E.com for more info. This season of good is also sponsored by MusicBed. MusicBed's been changing the game when it comes to music licensing for filmmakers. They're curating the best indie music in the world. We personally use them all the time, so make sure you do too. For more info, check out musicbed.com. Now, here's the show. Hey everyone, my name's Jared Hogan.
0: And I'm Christian Schultz. And this is good. So
1: this, this is Technically, if we're counting chronologically, this is episode 33. Is that right? Sure. Yes. Sure. So how many guests have we had on at this point? Probably like 26, Yeah. something like that. Call it 25. Of those guests, how many people have worked with our guests
0: today, do you think? Oh, man. Such a good question. I would say at least, at least sixty to seventy (laughs) percent. You went with a percentage. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not Um, gonna. Okay, then let's. I would say like
1: six to eight, maybe maybe more, maybe less. Uh, I would say
0: twelve to
1: fifteen. Okay, that may be true. I don't know. I have to go back and look. Yeah. Um, but today we have on a very prolific cinematographer. Um, yeah. And to be honest, a little intimidating. And and, intimidating. and I feel like uh, people that we've talked to who have worked with uh, our guest. I don't know why we're being secretive. It's in the title, I guess. But uh, Chase Irvin uh, is on the, the show with us today. And um, he, he hopped on our call. And you'll hear it, but... (laughs) Let's go ahead and just
0: set the scene a little bit. Not so much the scene in which we did the interview, but the scene that you should be finding yourself in while listening to the show. So if you can control it, if you're not in your car, uh, maybe if you're in your car, maybe you just want to go to your car and listen to the episode, but if if you're just listening to the episode at work, whatever, grab a cup of coffee, maybe an espresso... Mm -hmm. Uh, I would say maybe a sliced orange, (laughs) um, maybe
1: I'll give you my version. Um, I would say, uh, if you're sitting at your desk, sitting in your car, uh, close your eyes and, um, Mm -hmm. picture some, uh, honking horns in the distance. Yes. Um, and maybe, maybe some mopeds, maybe, maybe some mopeds, uh, and a couple bicycles kind of um, bells ringing s- skating over the cobblestone streets mm-hmm. and uh, someone yelling something in uh, Italian maybe
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, dog barking in the distance um,
0: this and this is a slight,
1: a slight a slight breeze uh, um, blowing through your hair on the corner
0: cafe yep. and um, I think At the, the intersection of this imagination In reality <laughs> yeah. You'll find today's episode So Without further ado Jared, uh, let's get into the interview Let's do it um, So what are you doing in Rome?
2: I'm working on a film called The Whale It's uh, starring Charlotte Rampling
1: That's Ooh. amazing yeah. That's great Um well, I'm in Charlotte, <laughs> North Carolina, <laughs> cool. and uh, C- Christian's in somewhere in the big state of Texas. Yeah, it
0: doesn't it really matter. matter.
1: It's just Texas. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man! Well, thanks for hopping on with us. Appreciate it. Uh, no problem. Let's start at the beginning, man. So, Let's how uh, <laughs> how old are you now? If you don't mind sharing. No, I'm uh, I'm 32. Okay. And so when did, uh, when did this all begin for you?
2: Uh, I th- pretty young age. I, uh, I made little films with my brother growing up. We, we had an uncle who was a huge movie buff and he actually went to film school briefly, tried to study editing and different things in Hollywood. And yeah. he ultimately, um, had a career as a musician and a singer and a, drummer and all this other stuff, and he ended up following that kind of artistic outlet, but he planted the seed in my brother and I to both go into uh, images, and uh, my brother was a painter and an illustrator, and I uh, just wasn't nearly as talented as he was, so I kind of (laughs) uh, started (laughs) going into sports and doing other things, and um, all of a sudden, my mom uh, had started teaching this student in a local community, and her father was a pr- movie producer. He was doing okay. a television series, and he um, he brought me on set for the first time, introduced me to a cinematographer when I was 16, and I was just really fascinated with the the work that he was doing and the process. And um, this was a particular TV show where, you know, I think. The big difference between TV and cinema is sometimes uh, in TV, the director's cycle. And sometimes they don't come back or maybe they just do one episode right. or two episodes. and So when you're on a set, you kind of get the feeling that it's really the DP's show. And cool. he uh, sees the continuity. Yeah, And, um, uh, you know, I got to see that and I was really, really... You know, impressed. And I didn't really know much about cinematography either. It was kind of it's a mysterious thing. I mean, when you're watching a movie growing up, you don't really know what the director of photography is. Right. So when I learned that, I was
1: like, oh, wow, this guy's amazing. So. Did you have one brother or more siblings? Just uh,
2: an older brother.
1: Okay. Cool. Older brother. Yeah. That, um, I, we talk about this on the show from time to time but that always is like kind of instrumental and i've hear, heard a lot of like filmmakers and artists talk about even just on our show like how instrumental that can be to have someone kind of like forge the path a little bit for you did you feel like that with your brother
2: oh yeah definitely i think just uh there's always kind of a competitive nature between yeah. siblings and i don't think um you know it's it's not like a a game or anything like that but I remember uh, in our house there's this really great photo of or it's a series of photos that my mother had us take when we were little kids and there's a photo of me and my brother painting on a wall and Mm -hmm. in the series you kind of see the evolution of the painting and who's doing what and the different colors and it becomes kind of a big collage. Mm -hmm. In the first Mm -hmm. painting you see my brother he's like smiling and he's like pointing to a smiley face that he drew on the the wall. (laughs) And then in the the other photos, you see my attempt at it, and it was like kind of like squiggly lines and swirls, and I could never get it. And then right before the end of the series, you see my brother's smiley face all squiggled out. Like I drew over it, and I destroyed (laughs) it.
1: (laughs) So are you on set right now? Uh,
2: Yeah, I was just uh, meeting with the director and First day okay. and going through the first week of shooting, and okay. just like 20 minutes ago, uh, one of one of our um, cast members, which is a dog, <laughs> came over and they're just playing with the dog now. So I have That's
0: some free time. Could you uh, just walk us through like the film that you're currently on right now? No. Tell us like who you're working with again and, and, and all that stuff.
2: It's uh, Andrea Pallaro. He um, directed a film called My Days, which I shot. Yeah. That was kind of my debut. Um, as a cinematographer, Andrea is really amazing. He I think he's taught me most about cinematography and directing and filmmaking. And yeah, he's introduced me to so many great films, and it's kind of it's really a dream working with somebody like him. Uh, how did you guys meet? It's actually a weird story. Um,
1: <laughs> the best kind
2: actually, well, the second part of this story is weird. the The first time I met him, i I met him through a producer who I had been working with on another project, and she was producing Madej's, so she just kind of took our both our personalities and decided we might be a good match for one another, so yeah. he and I met at the restaurant in Los Angeles and just kind of talked about the film and our aspirations and different uh, uh, type of cinema that we like, and it seemed like there was a lot of camaraderie and and in similar interest, but I think it was maybe a year ago that Andrea was like researching some sort of thing for a film he was writing, and he wanted to go back and look up an email that we had written to one another. So he searched my name in his email, and it turned out we had had a correspondence in like two thousand four over huh. his over his short film that he was making when he was in film school. And at the time, I was living in Canada still, but I would send my, I'd go on Craigslist or Mandy or something like that. And, I, you know, I'd apply to short films and different things to see <laughs> if, yeah. if my work was good enough to work in Los Angeles. So with the, you know, I'm, I, I think I learned really early on that I wanted to collaborate with people of my own generation yeah. and tell stories uh, that are from Uh, the minds of artists of my my generation. So I'm not, I've never been like really hungry to climb the the ladder of, you know, the cinematography game. So I've always kind of been on the lookout for guys that are like kind of at the same level as me or, you know, career-wise. So when I was in film school, I was looking for other film school guys to work with and like that type of thing. So it was kind of ironic that we had this like, he actually uh, decided to hire me for a short film, but some sort of thing happened and I couldn't do it because I didn't live there, obviously. But it was, we totally didn't remember that. We had no clue that we, <laughs> I didn't even remember having the email conversation with him or reading his script or anything. But we, I guess we did. He sent me the whole chain. It was crazy. That's interesting.
0: <laughs> what do you feel like is the, uh, I guess, what are you getting more from? Um working with people of this generation, do you know what I mean? Like, what do you, uh, what do you feel like is the difference between what we're doing now as opposed to maybe working on stuff with guys that are, you know, older or a little more seasoned or, or whatever? Uh,
2: I think there's a lot of courage in, in youth, I guess. And mm-hmm. I think when you work with people who are young and growing together, then they kind of make these mistakes together and the mistakes can be really beautiful and, Unique and specific to that generation, you know. It's, and I always feel like the the most important thing in cinematography and uh, as a whole is the collaboration between the director and the DP. Yeah, it's not like when I look at a film and I like, wow, that cinematography was amazing. I don't just see see the DP. I see the director and the DP collaborating as like yeah. a singular thing. And I always, you know, thought to myself and looked at recent history at all the really wonderful collaborations that we're experiencing in our time at the highest level of filmmaking. And uh, you see that the, these people knew each other for a very long time, maybe met each other in film school and just kept working together and collaborated yeah. and, and that type of thing. And I just wanted to do the same thing, you know, with with people that I knew and had connections with and um, tell the stories of our generation or our time or our particular point of view as we see yeah. it.
1: Do you feel Which like I, you found that?
2: Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, it's it's constantly evolving. It's like yeah, sure. my perspective on my when we first met uh, made that like three years ago was totally different than it is now. I've had a lot more hours of working on set and and, uh, I, uh, my technique is different or my understanding of the script has changed or hmm. editing or all that
1: stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So if it wasn't, uh, cinematography, what would you be doing?
2: I think I'd like to
1: be a, in music. Are you like a musician now at all? Do you like fool around with
2: that? No, but, my, uh, my mother w- was a, a, a musician. She was a singer and i grew up uh, in kind of jazz music scene yeah. my mom recorded many albums and was background on many albums for other people and i just you know i can always remember being a little kid in the the music studio or you know at a at someone's funeral and everyone's playing you know and stuff like that yeah. i just have a lot of great memories of uh being around my mother i i don't think i had a particular talent in any <laughs> instrument or anything like that i didn't uh i my mom had me you know play the piano and stuff like that yeah. but i never was uh so passionate about it that i was totally hyper focusing on that one thing but i'd imagine if i wasn't into cinematography i would have found something in that realm that yeah really took me
0: Chase, can you uh, can you walk me through how you like met and started working with Young Replicant? Because he's like yeah. he's like going off of what you said. He, he's kind of like what is he like? I think he's like twenty two or something like that. Yeah. Or is he like he's? I mean, he's probably older now than it.
2: Yeah, I think. I think I met him when he was twenty two, but he might be older now. I don't know. I never would have asked his age, to be honest. We've known each other for many years, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, we met. I guess I had um, I had finished shooting Madez and I actually I had like a couple films fail on me early in my career I'd shot like maybe um, four films prior to Madez oh, and wow. they, they're all like super low budget like $60,000 or whatever And but that was like really the only thing I was interested in And then I I started seeing like a lot of guys of my generation who went to film school in Los Angeles all working with directors and music videos and and commercials and different things like that. So I was like, oh, well, maybe I should try something like that, you know, because the movie thing isn't working. And um, uh, I think I just emailed Young Replicant and... um, sent him my reel and he was like really excited to to uh meet me so we met at like a starbucks or something like that (laughs) and uh we ended up having a lot in common we uh we liked a lot of the same type stuff and he likes a lot of the same films i i like You know, kind of stuff that plays at the Family in Los Angeles. Right. You know, some, like, foreign films that are harder to find. And, you know, they're just playing, like, there's only one 35-millimeter print in existence. Yeah. You know, we we got along on that level, and we could, you know, speak that grammar. And, uh, yeah, I guess the first thing we did together was a Bonobo video. It was really tough. It was kind of... You know, music videos can be really, really difficult because um, the budgets are typically low and <laughs> yeah. hours, crazy, crazy yeah. high. And there's also, like, a lot of drama typically with things not showing up or,
1: right. you know,
2: stuff like that. So and you're making a, it
1: for another artist, which is yeah. always... Uh, yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah. Or, you know, there's just always troubles. But this shoot was... Quite amazing. I think I, I had pinched a nerve in my spine right before we shot too. So I was in a lot of pain and I couldn't operate. So we had a, a camera operator came in come in, which is really rare for me. I usually operate all my own stuff, but he was an amazing yeah. operator. And he does a lot of the steady cam stuff to this date that I, that I do. Um, That's awesome. So we had like a really good team and we, we just spread the shoot out over... Four days, I think it was, and the the actress that was in it I thought was amazing, like Mm -hmm. really blew me away. And she hadn't really done much. I think she had done like a couple supporting roles and um uh, different like movies and stuff like that. But she was she had like a a major career as a model. Um, And as she, she matured, she stepped out of the the fashion world and started acting and. Anyway, I guess a couple of years later, she just blew up, and she has her own TV show now. And wow. Oh, like, wow she was the, the one of the best parts of that whole project it was you really were putting the camera on somebody who was interesting and yeah, and uh, natural.
0: After this short break, we hear more from Chase about working on Beyonce's visual album Lemonade. But first, let's hear more from our sponsors. This musical break is brought to you by our friends at Music Bed. This is a band called Hammock performing a song called Reverence. When I was young, I would actually steal Hammock's music to use in my films. Now, there's a better way to go about finding music for your films. Also, it's legal. Musicbed provides music for over 650 indie artists spanning genres of electronic and hip-hop to indie rock and classic artists like Jerry Lee Lewis. If you need music for your film, or if you just want to find your new favorite artist, make sure to check out musicbed.com. You can use promo code GOOD at checkout for 20% off your entire purchase. For more than a decade, Kessler Crane has been designing and manufacturing innovative tools for filmmakers, including camera cranes, jibs, motion control systems, sliders, dollies, tripods, and other camera accessories. They also have a commitment to making products in the USA. For
1: more info, go to KesslerCrane.com GOOD. That's K E S S L E R C R A N E dot com slash good. Also, enter the code good podcast during checkout. Save 10% off your entire order.
0: Now, let's get back to the show. So, going from like, um, I guess, like that side of the spectrum, super low budget, trying to make something like great with, you know, practically nothing. What's like the difference between something like that and then working on something like lemonade, where I'm sure there's a little bit more. Uh, time and and resources or is there a difference there what do you feel like is a difference
2: yeah there's a there's a difference but there's still kind of the same uh, stuff that goes down it's really strange it's like (laughs) you know on lemonade you have things like techno cranes and and you know uh, stabilized heads And like all these Different things But Yeah you The technique And the The stuff is, And the pressure Is higher Yeah So it's kind of
1: It's tricky Like different problems
2: Yeah It's like a totally different You kind of have to Really like Step up to, And You know like if you're pointing the camera at Beyonce and you're, like, shooting <laughs> yeah. her, you have to right. be, like, really good, you know? You can't just, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of yeah. pressure. Yeah. Like, she's not going to, like, stand around all day to let you shoot, right. do stuff. So you you have to, like, I, I don't even know if it's, like, preparation really either. It's just, like, kind of having, the uh, like, a fearlessness.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's what I was going to ask. Like when you step foot on the set and there is that pressure and that an artist that demands that much, uh, like how do you, um, do you kind of tell yourself and and walk onto set like you would any other, like kind of like try to, to, to to be more normal or do you kind of accept the pressure and like, know that you are like, I, I guess you tell me like, how do you prepare yourself to walk into something like that?
2: I, in my mind, I just, you know, I, I basically boil it down to, you know, you <laughs> you just have to do what you have to do. It's, you have to operate out of some sense of necessity, and that's actually a gift. And the way yeah. you react to those things and the pressures is um, dark matter. And dark matter uh, <laughs> is like actually something that you can use artistically and creatively yeah. and actually react to it in a really beautiful Way, huh. or if you're not uh, up to it, you can fall back on kind of technique, or, or um, you know, in a go into a safe zone. But for me, I, 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 my brain's too scattered. I can't really, um, I, I'm not like a math expert. I can't fall back on math and yeah. know like a formula that I can draw upon to. Get success. I, I just don't know that. I, I kind of like have I, I fail um, in one shot, and then I have a great success in the next shot, and I right. just
1: hope that they only use one. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. So when you're when you're like working in, you know, we talked about you working on uh, a feature, several several features, and, and you've got music videos, whether it's like high level or lower budget, and commercials and stuff. Um as a DP, like as an artist, what do you look at like what um what do you get out of like each format? Like for a music video, do you get something specific uh as an artist? And then like do you you know, you're on a commercial that costs two million dollars, do you yeah. get something else out of that? Like what what do you kind of get out of each uh format? Uh, in terms of like uh video Yeah, like artistically film like film or no, I mean, like, um, I would imagine there's just, uh, innately like more freedom when you're doing a music video. Like artistic right? yeah. gratification. No, I, see what I
2: see what you mean. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, I'm always really trying to, I'm, I'm a, I'm, a bit of a fanatic about artistic integrity. And when you go into a, a music video like Lemonade, um, We didn't see that as a music video at all. We saw that as like a a feature film we were making the whole time. Mm. That that wasn't even like a question. So we were constantly thinking that we were making something that was much vaster than what we were asked to do. Mm. And um, that forces on us kind of certain um, uh, ideas or kind of Forces us to push ourselves even further than what we would normally do, and or break convention yeah. even. And then on the that same type of thing on a commercial, like I think before you agree to it, you kind of have to push a couple buttons and see what mm. uh, the producer or director is going to react to, and then you can kind of gauge what kind of liberty you're going to have on the set. Yeah. Um, And sometimes you you might say yes to something that you might regret too, (laughs) Uh, you know, and it it might not turn out to be what you wanted it to be for a bunch of other reasons. Um, So,
0: Hmm.
2: what are some of those buttons that you're
0: pushing though? When like in the in talking with producers and stuff, what are you trying to push? Uh, You know, like
2: I'd like I think it's the cinematographer's job to pick the format, Uh, right. And I think film is like a big rule breaker. And it, I'm not saying like film's a requirement for me, but, but for a lot of jobs, I'll uh, or projects, I'll um, I'll ask to shoot on film, or I'll ask to shoot on something different, like a a video format that's black and white, that's really rare and hard to get. And I just want to know if they're kind of interested in working in a way that I like to work in, and if yeah, yeah. And you can gauge that right away. If the, if they have no interest in doing that, they're not going to have the right attitude about it, or they're going to lie to you and be like, "Yeah, yeah, we'll figure it out," and then they'll, <laughs> and then they'll be like, "Oh no, it wasn't available," you know, like, I mean, yeah, just, and you can you can gauge those things and really be like, oh, "Okay, well, um, this is a project I really want to do," or, and but there's also like relationships with directors too that you may want to spark or.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Is that something that you have kind of done from the beginning or do you feel like you've graduated to being able to make those kinds of, uh, calls, calls or requests or, or whatever? Uh,
2: that's, that's like a total, that's experience from failing, you know, like yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think everything I've ever done, I have never been able to accept a a job for money or anything like that. It's I, I would just become so ashamed of myself if I did that. So, even sometimes yeah. when I like I've shot things that have been really terrible, and going into it, I thought they were going to be the greatest thing ever.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, right.
2: And then afterwards, you're kind of like, oh, where did I fuck up? You know, like what did I? Yeah. Why did I think that was going to be so good? It had all the signs of not being good, and then you, <laughs> <laughs> then you start realizing like, oh, okay, well I should have. On the next thing, I'll. I'll ask for this and that'll tell me if I'm gonna get that or this. Well, you've or
1: you've now provided our follow-up question. Uh, what are <laughs> what are the signs with, oh, wow. with experience? Yeah, like what what are what are the red flags?
2: Um, hmm. I think a lot of times
1: it's like where.
2: Usually, I I look to where the production is shooting, and mm. then if if they've already lined up a lot of different crew that haven't really gone through you or... Right. Um, I don't know, it's, it's, it's kind of strange. I, I learned a lot from this one really great producer named uh, Donald Taylor. He's, I love this guy. He's, he's a British commercial producer and uh, I've done many, many commercials with him over the last two years and he's just so good And and it's really rare that you work with a really good producer who cares, really cares about what the cinematographer wants to do. And once I started working with him, and he worked with really great cinematographers like Greg Frazier, and and he he gets recommended by other DPs for projects because they all love him. Oh, wow. And then I started, you know, you work with other producers who don't, you know, they don't really care. They don't really... Yeah, yeah. you know it's just like another job to them and the DP can be a bit of a pain in the ass because they want all these things and that's not what they had in the budget or you know it's a lot of commercials they've already figured out the whole budget and all the shots before the cinematographer even comes on so it it makes it creatively very limiting
0: yeah if there is a situation like that though um and maybe you're taking a job for different reasons like you know, like you said earlier, trying to get in with the... Trying to just do something with the director that you want to work with or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but things are already in place, whether it's crew or shots or locations or whatever. Do you do you take those jobs at all or do you go into it and try and um, change things for the better for, for you and for the director? Oh, yeah. You have to try and change it for the better. It's like...
2: It, in my point of view every shot has to be a masterpiece. And if it's not, then you have to exhaust all the possibilities. And, you Hmm. know, when you first get a project, nothing's going to be that good. So you have to really figure out, like, oh, what if we, you know, um, had some homing pigeons in the background that we could cue that really make the shot (laughs) feel natural, you know? Like, if you have a bunch of birds moving right in the right moment, and you have this, like... Really contrived kind of action in the foreground, it will actually make that contrived action feel really natural. Mm. So you you start adding all these things up into your. Hold on, write that down real quick. (laughs) 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 You know, I don't know if that's actually really the DP's job, but that's how what I think about. I think about how can you get really um, beautiful uh, images that feel real. um, Yeah. So, I'm, you know, I, I try to take all these different experiences and stack yeah. them into the shots. And...
0: You know, but the thing that I'm noticing w- working with different DPs over the last couple of years is like, I feel like that the way that you just um, said that you would approach um, dialoguing about a scene or how to make something better, I feel like that is becoming the new way to think as a DP.
2: Mm, great.
0: I feel I you know, that. I feel like because it's at least the ones that I I like to work with. They're always a little bit more challenging than. Um, I remember one time, um, I had to do a commercial thing with uh, a DP that was a little bit older and I th- not like jaded or anything, but just a little bit older. Um, and I don't remember talking to him at all. Oh, you know what I mean? Like I don't remember talking to him in a creative way at all. It was very like. I don't know the, it was just very kind of executing things, you know? Um, do you feel like that's a, like a, a new way of thinking for, for DPs that are coming up?
2: Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, I, I can only speak for myself, but, um, actually I can't, I can speak for others. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know a couple of young DPs, uh, and we talk on the phone sometimes as we complain about the same thing. and, <laughs> Uh yeah, I think it is like I think when you're you're young and you're learning and you're trying to like really um say something with with your art form you get really frustrated at things when they don't work out and yeah. um, I think when you go and do a project you want to give it every sense of your energy so that you yeah. can, you know express yourself and make sure you find like a form of success in it, you know, or learn something or try something different or push the envelope, and all this stuff. You know, I think it's really important, and I think the young guys out there are definitely doing that for sure.
0: Yeah, as far as um pre production and kind of beginning to, to formulate how you're, you and the director would approach something, what is like, um what is like the best version of that conversation as far as from a director, like his, like what was like the best experience that you've had with like a director coming in and you guys talking about something like even just like mentality or, or whatever, you know? Yeah. I think, um,
2: my, my collaborations with Khalil have always been the most amazing for me. I, um, typically really simple i'll just show up at his studio and he'll have a cup of coffee brewing and and, uh, <laughs> and a spliff and we'll just go at it <laughs> and We'll open up stacks and stacks of art books and we'll just start fl- yeah flicking through stuff not even talking to each other just looking at stuff and just tagging photos that we find interesting and then at yeah. the end of it all we'll just go like okay you know, what What are the ideas here? What are Like, what can we do? What's interesting? And I think, hmm. you know, I don't think Khalil just does that with me. I think he does that with his editor and he does that with it. Like, he's super collaborative. He doesn't really, like any idea that comes out of his mouth is so abstract. Right. That, uh, it's, it's more like a, a metaphor. So he's trying to like grab onto something more real with his ideas. And I think he gets that through. Talking to people who you know have different perspectives than himself, so I've always really loved that and uh, Andrea, who I'm working with right now also he he um he doesn't work in the same way, but it's a similar thing I think he as an artist he sees things and he talks about uh scenes and story in a very metaphoric way or yeah it's it he never I really appreciate this, actually. He never uh, considers any... He never talks about images as symbols. He always talks about them as metaphors. So they always have uh, a range of different meanings, not a, hmm. a singular one, which I think is really important. Because I've worked on projects and films where the director's really trying to hammer uh, a particular point or, like, I'm trying to say this one right. thing. And the, the footage always comes off contrived. Right. It always feels forced. It always... It, whereas uh, Khalil and Andrea, they, they have like a, a a bunch of things to say and they don't really know what they're saying. They let the spectator make that up. And it hmm. it's, it's really hard to um, have that conversation with somebody because you're talking in really loose terms. So it's like, you know, on Lemonade, he and I are talking, Khalil and I are talking about... Um, slavery and um, looking at photos of different patterns from Africa and talking about how this particular, these, these, uh, this clothing was made. And then we're talking about Louisiana and the wind and how does what's, what's interesting about the wind. And you don't really know how that <laughs> yeah. works in the edit or what shot cuts from one sh- to another shot. you have no idea. So it becomes really difficult for producers and production
1: companies
2: to (laughs) figure that out. But um, I think it becomes like a really honest, natural way of generating ideas. And then when we're on the set, we have in our pocket kind of these conversations that we've had and these ideas. And whether we use them or not, I don't know. Um, I remember on Lemonade, we were talking about a couple ideas that I was really, really keen on doing, um, but we just didn't have time. Uh, I wanted to, Khalil had asked me in pre-production, I want to shoot the the bayou, like the Louisiana bayou, but yeah. every time I look it up and every time I see it in in cinematography, it's always this shot moving down a bayou, like Z-axis. He calls it Z-axis. and. It's just pushing down, and I don't want to do that. I want to do something different. So I had this idea of buying all these drones and putting, wrapping LEDs around the drones and uh, um, flying them down the bayou at night and shooting it with a a black-and-white Alexa that's, like, at 3200 with a Master Prime. And I didn't really know how that idea fit into it, but as I started thinking about it, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Maybe it's like this the future of Louisiana when like inse- the insects there are now drones, you know, and they're like <laughs> flying
1: around. <laughs>
2: like, you know, like all these other ideas started coming out of that one yeah. kind of conversation of how do we do this thing. And I had this other idea of like flying a helicopter over top of Beyonce. <laughs> and... And uh, just using it as a wind machine, huh. so that it looked like the, in the bayou, she would be standing there, and there's this hurricane going around. And I was like, that—that that, in my mind, that's like a super iconic shot. Yeah. Like, if you saw that, <laughs> you'd remember it forever.
1: I'm—I'm I'm gonna remember it now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so I think you know we were like trying to push each other to come up with those type of ideas. Like anything yeah. is possible. Anything is
0: possible. Yeah. I, I have one question on on that specifically bringing that to a producer or someone who's like actually, or an agency or a client on like a commercial kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, generally. Cause I'm doing this right now. I'm having to go through <laughs> this right now. Um, what is it? What is the an okay level of bullshit that you can like, um,
1: <laughs> give yourself room to actually try.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, like what's like the level, like, because it's everything. Everything that I, my general, like my treatments that I give are like <clears throat> very metaphorical and very like just mm-hmm. like feelings and emotions or whatever. Um, but recently, I, at least, the, I don't know if it's maybe because it's international stuff or whatever. But the comments are always um, like, "Yeah, can you tell us how you're actually going to do it, though?" And oh, like yeah. technical, like how are you going to light this? Like, what's the camera movement? What's this? And, um, I find myself, you know, because a lot of times those conversations are happening before I even talk to a DP, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like, I guess I'm asking like, does that still happen? Um, or do you feel like that happens like that? You have to kind of bullshit your way into just getting, getting the opportunity to do something, you know? Yeah. Um, I think,
2: I mean I've never actually been in those shoes um but I've I've definitely watched guys like Elliot Roush really you know go into those meetings and you know he's has such a way with words he can just probably convince somebody to do anything yeah. so he's really <laughs> yeah. good at that um, but I can see like sweat pouring down his forehead being like I'm making up with some bullshit right yeah. now you know just <laughs> I think I was—we were doing that Under Armour thing uh, so many years ago, and uh, it was like a direct client thing. So we worked right with the CEO of uh, Under Armour, and Elliot was like, "Hey, do you want to come to you know the meeting?" And I, you know, I was naive. I, I, I've never done it again, but I went to the meeting. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was the same type of bullshit. It was like the guy had just read the Steve Jobs book and was like, I'm going to be a tyrant CEO and I want to know everything. <laughs> and he just wow. had that attitude. And he turns to me, he's like, so what, what camera and lenses are we shooting on? Lovely. And I, I just was like, oh, it's uh, an Alexa with master primes. <laughs> And obviously, the guy has no idea what that means, and he was just like, he just wanted to know it was the best. (laughs) So (laughs) I I always thought about it like that. Like they just want to know it's the best, and uh, you could say anything really. Um, And then on the set, my, you know, my approach is always to just do what I want to do. Um, Like an example that that drone situation like I wanted to do that I bought a drone I bought all the LEDs I built it in my hotel room I didn't ask the producers for money I just did it myself you know because it's <laughs> what I wanted to do and sometimes you just have to do that you have to spend your right. own money you have to, like be yeah. broke to do what you want to do like I don't expect the producers to do everything I want want to do mm. so I'll, I'll tell them the important things but you know there's some ideas that I don't want to explain. So I'll just go and do it.
0: So why did the, uh, why did the uh, helicopter above Beyonce not work out? I'm asking. uh... Uh,
2: Khalil (laughs) told me to say, I kept pushing Khalil. I was like, I'll pay for the helicopter. Just let me do it. (laughs) And uh, he was like, save it for another project that we do. Wow. And I I understand that. And I was like, I was kind of, bummed about it but then at the same time i'm like he and i are always kind of you know i there's been lots of jobs where i haven't been able to shoot for him and we always kind of feel really bummed out by the fact that we don't get to work together because we really do like working with each other and and uh i just appreciate it when he's like yeah let's save it for something else like i you know it means a lot to me that he Sees that we're going to right. be collaborators for a long time, you know, right. like that's super important. That, like I said at the beginning of this, that's what I want to do. I want to work with particular
1: yeah. people for a long time. So, that's
2: when he awesome. said that, I was like, cool, <laughs>
1: yeah. I'll save it. We've talked to like a couple DPs, and um, I don't know if you feel like this, Chase, but um. You know, like, the the loyalty of, like, a director, like, working with one over and over again, do you ever kind of feel, like, self-conscious about that? Like, are we going to work together again? Like, I love working... You know, like, how does that relationship, like, work out from project to project? Is it, like, tenuous at all? Yeah, I... Uh, I think... I don't
2: know. I think uh, when you click with somebody, you just, like, really click with somebody. So it's not really... Um, I don't think about it too much, to be honest with you. I, a good example is, uh, I guess, uh, Elliot Roush. He he works with a lot of other DPs, but he also like, you know, he 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 married me this year with my wife. So he was like,
1: yeah,
2: you know, he got ordained as a priest, and <laughs> you know, like, did all this stuff, and he's like a life for life friend. You know, he was yeah. really there for me and he and and my family in huge ways and Khalil as well. Yeah. So uh, there's that side, which is the most important. And then yeah. there's the professional side, which is secondary. And I think if if you're a cinematographer that's trying to do stuff, you have to focus on the friendship and the. the yeah. the the real life stuff before you do the Mm. film stuff you know that's kind of the important thing I think all the directors I really work with on a consistent level I would say
1: are like some of my closest friends you know that's pretty amazing I'm sure a lot of people would not be able to say that yeah
0: I I think it is interesting that like um, we're kind of asking like you know from the DP but I feel like I feel that way about a DP all the time like um asking myself like do they like me at all you know because i like i'm like loving them like we're vibing like um and like want to do stuff continue to do stuff where you never had the conversation yet but you're like do you i think i even asked somebody last the last job that i was on because i really loved the dp that i was working with and i was like hey dude did you like have like fun like was this cool (laughs) i don't know and he was like oh yeah dude what are you talking about and it was just (laughs) such a relief because i was like man Okay, cool. I wasn't just like, because it would suck if you were like so in love with somebody and then it was just like another thing to them, you know, like.
2: Oh no, I hear you. I hear you. I I might I might leave people that with that same feeling too. I don't know because on a production, I'm always like, you know, super determined to do the best thing ever, and I don't, uh, you know. I'm not really smiling that much if the job is really hard. Or, or, you know what I mean? Like, I'm trying to really push directors even sometimes, you know? It's not like always, you know, Khalil and I bump heads and Elliot and I and Miles J, and Young Replicant and, like, these, we bump heads, you know? But I think that kind of makes it even better once you're done and you're really proud of of what you did because all that shows to them, the director is that I actually give a fuck, you know?
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, Which is the most important thing.
1: you know. What would you say? Well, maybe I'll phrase this in a different way. Like looking at younger DPs who are just kind of like getting a start. um, Maybe this sounds too like cynical, but what kind of like annoys you the most about uh, guys who are starting out? Like what's like the one thing you would, you would tell them not to do. Uh
2: I don't know if I would ever say anything like that because I'm uh I'm always wrong about those things. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, like I <laughs> honestly, like when I work with directors even, like I always sometimes I'll think I'll have a better way of doing something and I'll but I won't say anything because sometimes I'm wrong. Sometimes the way they you know, like I've worked with um, a director named Gustav Johansson a few times, and I really love working with him. Um, Gustav has actually a, a great photographic understanding, and, and sometimes on the set he'd be like, you know, like, "What? Why don't? What if we put like a practical light that's really red over there, or like change the color of this thing?" He yeah. has like tweaks that he he thinks would be good, and you know. I think the worst part of me is like, no, fuck off. But the the best part (laughs) of me is like, "Um, yeah, let's try it and see what it looks like. And a lot of times it looks really good. So I'm not like, I'm not perfect. So I can't really, um, you know, I I, I hesitate in telling or informing young cinematographers what direction to go in. Because if, you know, they could go any direction and prove me
0: wrong. Yeah, right. I do have a – I want to chat a little bit about – I don't know if you'd call it theory or I don't know the film school term for it, but the way that you – I don't know. I'm just looking at your stuff now and it's – there's like a a continuity to it that I want to try and get inside your brain for a second. But like how do you um, approach – coverage when you're like thinking of shots and coverage might be the wrong word but um, it feels like I don't know uh, I see a lot of similarities in like Sean Bobbitt and a lot of Steve McQueen's films where like there's like a an incredible simplicity to everything mm-hmm. um, so I just want to see if you could chat or like where did you I'm sure you'd say that you're still discovering it but like how did, how did you discover that and how do you even like approach that in, in things that you do or um, currently, whether it's commercial or narrative or whatever, like how do you even start thinking about it? Um,
2: I think just as a, I, some of it's drawing upon my experience as a human and other times I'm drawing upon things that I've experienced as a spectator, you know? And right. uh, I think you just form an aesthetic view. After a while, you have like a particular point of view of what um the editing should be or the lighting should be or the shot or the composition or whatever and uh you know i i think that's kind of my style i think for a long time when i was younger i was um really trying to to nourish that and sometimes you do that through emulating others, and other times you do that through experimenting and failing in a yeah. big way. Um, so it's a little bit of all that kind of stuff, you know, like I um, I try to push things in, in the shots that I've done and really try to make them interesting and like I said before, I want every shot to feel really masterful, and I feel right. like if you do a really, really good job on a shot, you can hold on it for a long time. That's true. And yeah. when you hold on to a shot, there's a ton of tension in there. Yeah. And I, I think that's what I think about. I I, I was speaking to someone recently about the same thing, and I think I said, um, you know, there, I'm not... Uh, super interested in exciting the spectator I've actually want to make them really vulnerable and yeah. I think that's kind of reflected in the things I've done I'm like I'm not trying to overly stylize things or really trying to like you know, make things explode I'm more trying to like uh, melt uh, melt things or cause them to feel like a, a sensation of hypnot hypno. You know, like hypnosis. I mean, yeah. And uh, and that's when I feel like, as a filmmaker, you have like a lot of power. You have like a, an ability to to um, move them really deeply. So it's uh, I don't I don't really know if there's a word for that, but it's kind of what I've been trying to do with my work and. Um, a lot of my influences come from Steve McQueen and Sean Bobbitt and Michael Haneke and um, yeah. Saul Leader and, um, you know, uh, Non-Golden and William Eggleston and I could go on and on Yeah, with all these photographers, even my wife, Jack. Uh, she's an amazing photographer, and when I met her and I saw her images, I was like, "Wow, this is like amazing!" You know. And she works with me on set too. She's she does stills. Or on Lemonade, I was having her shoot one of the cameras. We had three cameras, and we were just running around. That's fine. Awesome. <laughs> she she's like great with people. She's she's really good with talent because of her experience as a photographer. So if there's like an intimate moment that is something that, you know, maybe Khalil and I as men aren't right. really going to do a great job at, maybe a woman's better for it. And she would go do that. And, you know, I learned from her and I learned from
0: all these people. So, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, well, dude, thanks for uh, chatting with us. Uh, uh, no problem. Thanks I hope for inviting was, me. Yeah.
1: <laughs> We've been looking forward to this one for a while, so thanks for uh, taking the time. This episode of Good was mixed by Christian Stropko, or as we like to call him, Christian number two.
0: As always, our music today was created by Cubby. That's Cubby with two Bs, and you can check out more of his music at cubbysounds.com.
1: Also, the season of Good is produced by our new friend, Mary Taylor
0: who'd also like to say something. Maybe next show we can talk about actual filmmaking. To find out more info about today's episode, make sure to go to goodthepodcast.com.